When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. Uh, the, the new music is coming in fast and furiously, my friend. How are you? Oh, good. It's uh, a very quick transition from talking about the best of last year to uh, seeing uh, some new albums and a bunch of singles. And there's, uh, yeah, there's a, a lot to be excited about early uh, so far. Yeah, we uh, before we get to some of the new stuff, and I, I want to mention a few things. Uh, very good feedback from our from our best of lists. Um, a lot of agreement, a lot of uh, constructive disagreement, but uh, all in all, very very interesting to see people's opinions. And it's it's so it's so interesting because twenty five years ago there would be like twenty albums released, so your your list was basically everything that came out. And now it seems like with so many bands all over the place, um, everyone's got a different opinion. And I guess that's what makes it exciting. One man's uh, trash is another man's treasure, as they say. Yeah, there was a time where I couldn't have even dreamed of of putting together a list of of 50 albums. Never mind, I ended up with a list of 70 by the time I was done, which is like unheard of. Um, So I guess even, even in a what I thought was a down year, I, I managed to find time to listen to a lot of new things. So yeah. I'm going to try to do even better this year. And I've already listened to the two albums that I have so far um, several times. So uh, I'm Good. trying to, to just stay on top of things. I, I like it. Uh, inevitably, and this happens every year, but inevitably, when I put the list out and I'm confident that I have my list in order... I always hear something early on in the following year that I missed, right? Like it happens every year. And this year it happened. I heard an album uh, earlier this week and right away I said to myself, this thing would have been in my top 10 had I heard it last year. That's how much I liked it. And quite frankly, if I had spent time with it, I'm pretty sure it might've even been in my top five. Uh, The band is called An Abstract Illusion. The album is called Woe. And whoa, was this album cool. It was, it's basically progressive death metal, but with an electronic flair to it. I've not heard anything like this. This was a masterful, masterful album by these uh, guys from Sweden. I had never heard of the band, but it is really, really, really cool. Um, I, I can only imagine what it would have sounded like on like a really good stereo because there was a lot going on with the electronic atmospheric sounds and stuff like that, but a really cool band. And um, I'll post a track this week just because if, if people haven't heard it, they should. And quite frankly, I just, I missed this one. Yeah. To me, it's just like, yeah, I, I'm done with 2022. Like even you had told me like, 
was it Lord of the Lost? They came out with an album like at the very end of the year. I was like, it's it. I, I my capacity to listen to anything else is is filled. So uh, on to, to 2023. Very, well, it's speaking of which, what were the two? No regrets. <laughs> what were the two albums that you uh, have been playing on repeat at this point? Uh, so I've been listening to Beyond the Black self-titled album. I guess bands don't um, they, they don't save the self-titled album for their first release anymore. They wait a while. Nah, Dream I think Theater, Metallica did it. So yeah, Dream Theater's done it, and now Beyond the Black's done it. Um, really enjoying that album quite a bit. Um, pretty much. Nothing unexpected, really. Just really solid, you know, kind of uh, symphonic metal. And um, I've, I've really been enjoying um, Skyblazer's Inf- Infinity's Wings, which is their first full-length album. Um, I, I, I think last year when we were doing our 2021 year in review, I mentioned that their, their debut EP was my EP of the year. Um, and this album kind of uh, follows in the footsteps of just super, um, super cheerful and, and kind of upbeat uh, keyboard-driven power metal. It's clear that Johannes is a fan of you know Steve Williams and and Tommy Johansson's kind of uh, you know you know music uh, or songwriting style. Um, it, it's it's really good stuff. I'm enjoying it a lot. So those are really the two. Um, and then tomorrow, uh, Twilight Force has their newest album at the heart of Wintervale. I'm looking forward to, and a number of albums that um, uh, we'll t- probably talk about uh, next week, um, such as you know Riverside and um, Ten and uh, uh, Catatonia, just to name a few. Yeah, I, 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 go. I'm getting excited because. The stuff has started to come out fast and furiously, and there was a little bit of a lull in December, but things are picking up with with a vengeance. It was interesting. I heard the Twilight Force album today, and I think you're going to absolutely love it. It is very good for what it is that you know that just um, symphonic power metal sound that they do so well. But with the same day that that is coming out, Angus McSix. Uh, not to be confused with the younger brother Angus McFive. I I didn't know um, that this was coming out. This was like kind of a surprise to me. But the single dropped earlier today. What did you think of the Angus Mix Six single? I, you know, I was kind of like in the midst of working, and I kind of had it on in the background. It didn't really, um, it didn't really, make, I didn't really make heads or tails of it. Honestly, it was fine for what it was. I, I, I it's uh, you know, it's kind of like that familiar voice from the 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 you know, the first three glory hammer albums. Um, I, what did you think? You probably pay, paid closer attention than I did. I, okay. So the, the song is called master, um, master of the universe and not, not to be confused with, with he man, but may as well have been, um, it, it was okay. It was good. Uh, I, I'm going to check out the album. I think I enjoyed the twilight force more and ironically, I listened to, to the single right on the heels of having listened to the entire Twilight Force album. So it was misplaced in that regard because it was in the same vein, if you I'll, will. I'll tell you, I'll tell you it's, it, it's going to take a lot for me to get past that name because that is the stupidest name. It's so bad. Like I get that he's probably trying to stick it to 
his ex-bandmates, or maybe the label just wanted something that was like reminiscent to Glory Hammer. Because unless you're unless you're like a big time fan of Glory Hammer, it doesn't mean anything to you. Yeah, it's just and it's just a stupid name, like Angus McFife. Fife sounding like five, so, so we're gonna go with stupid. Angus McSix. Stupid. I think that's Angus McStupid. I, so, <laughs> I, 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 so that's you know sometimes it's like I don't know you as as a wrestling fan like when a wrestler gets a really stupid name it's 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 hard to get past you know Husky Harris and Michael McGillicuddy sometimes like you you know names are important um, and. And I've also just not heard a lot of nice things about, um, you know, the, uh, what's his name? Uh, I forget. I'm going to have to call him Henry Henry Winkler's son. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Winkler, uh, whatever. Um, it's all just hearsay and, and whatever, but, uh, conjecture. But I mean, there's just, to me, there's just this dark cloud that hovers around glory hammer, whether it's, the you know members current or past it's just it's kind of just leave they leave a bad taste in my mouth and i don't know if that might be something that might take a while to get over if uh if at if ever yeah i'm with you um yeah like i said i'll 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 just put twilight force back on and for a guy who doesn't listen to much power metal i definitely enjoyed that one um so next week will be interesting lots of new releases coming out um but have you uh, there's a like a ton of singles that have come out um, for albums that are coming out later this year. Um, Have we had a chance to talk about the Camelot single? Because that was, that received some really interesting feedback, uh, at least on on my social media. Um, The song was called one more flag in the ground and it's from the upcoming album, the awakening. And boy, this, this thing got dragged through the coals and I listened to it and I was just like, it, it's nothing unexpected. I mean, I'll just say that. Like, it's it's, it's pretty Camelot. much yeah. It's par for the course of what Camelot's been doing the last few albums. Um, I, I don't know. I, I was like, I don't know if it was just one person made a comment and it just snowballed. But man, it turned into like a flame fest. Like it was, it it got pretty bad. <laughs> what was everyone's gripes? Because I I heard the single and I got to be honest with you, maybe it's because I went into it with no expectations. I liked it. I said to myself, this sounds to me like obviously Roy Khan not singing, but this, if you put Tommy Karavik on the black halo, this could have been a B side for the black halo, which a lot of people think is one of their best albums. Um, I certainly didn't have a problem with it. What, what was the flack that they received? I don't know. Just that it was generic and like, it's Camelot. What do you expect? Yeah. Like it's, they've been doing the same thing for, for 20 years i don't know i i didn't think anything i didn't think it was anything special but i i certainly didn't think it was bad um so i i look forward to that album just because it's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of it kind of falls into place but man like the the commentary is almost comical at this point um just to name a, a couple others um Bloodbound released a new single called Odin's Prayer. They have an album called Tales from the North that's coming out later this year. Um, Ad Infinitum uh, released another single, uh, the song Seth, and that's going to be on their Chapter Three Downfall album, which is one of my uh, one of my most uh, anticipated albums because I, the first two albums were so good. Um, 
And and as we mentioned in our in our best of 2021 or 2022 episode, I should say, uh, Delane has their album Dark Waters coming out, and they released another single called Moth to a Flame. Um, there's there's a lot to get excited about. Not to mention um, Phantom Elite and Frozen Crown, both um, uh, two other female fronted um, bands that uh, also have brand new singles. Phantom Elite uh, has one called Inner Beast from their upcoming album Blue Blood and Frozen Crown has a, a song called Victorious uh, from their upcoming album called The North. Um, so just a, a, those are all bands that I'm just super excited about um, hearing these albums from. Um, it, it just feels like they all kind of just came up in the last few weeks with these singles. So um, a lot to be excited about. And um, yeah, I, I guess that's, uh, that's pretty much it for me. A pretty, pretty, sizable list but uh um i i should have an, another playlist out soon and a lot of these songs should will be on it so i just have to uh come up with a um an order for it and i guess just to um throw in a little prog action uh not to be you know discounted but uh Haken also released a new single called taurus which is going to be off of their album fauna um so just a, a lot, a lot of stuff just coming through, coming down the pike. And um, I think it felt like there was a bit of a slowdown towards the end of last year. And now things are really starting to kick back in. Yeah. And, and I, on the back end, I'll, I'll mention a lot of tour news that's uh, kind of come to light over the last few days and, and couple of weeks. So lots to look forward to for sure. So um, we'll, we'll get to that at the end, but this week's album is something that quite frankly, I don't think was ever on my radar to cover. And that's Roger, the engineer by um, the Yardbirds. And I, and I say that because the Yardbirds were a band that I was obviously familiar with from the name, but it was one of those bands that I, I wasn't sure if I knew anything by them particularly well. And and again, this is just because it was, you know, 20 years before our time, so, so to speak, but with the passing of Jeff Beck on January 10th of this year, I thought it would be a fitting tribute to do, you know, one of his uh, quintessential works for a man that has many, many quintessential works and many, many accolades to his name. But this was the one album that he had recorded with the Yardbirds. Um, Whenever you're sandwiched between Eric Clapton and Jimmy Page, you you deserve an episode on the Metal Exchange because without without these guys, 90% of the bands that we listen to probably are not uh, even a thing, right? Like that's the natural progression, especially when it comes to that blues rock style. Um, because in, in my opinion, like blues rock and like the way that those solos, uh, you know, early Zeppelin, this album and others, that is the genesis for the hard rock of the seventies that would ultimately become the metal of the eighties. Uh, well said. Um, like, how did you land on this as the album you wanted to talk about of Jeff Beck's like, you know, extensive catalog of things that he's done over the years? Um, what, what made this uh, stick out to you? That's, you that's a great question. I, I Googled his name after his passing because I saw so many people, not only friends and, and acquaintances that, that had nothing but praise for him on, you know, but also just, a who's who of musicians and bands that were coming out of the woodwork to, to give this man praise. And I said to myself, let me just find out more because I was woefully ignorant about uh, his guitar playing, even though it was a name that I've heard for, for decades. Right. So I Google the name, I, I take a look at what he's done 
And I was kind of just blown away by like, all again, all the different studio albums that he's done and all the accolades and everything else. I mean, he, he did an album in 1973 with Carmine Apice, who we talked about, um, you know, back when we did the vanilla, we did the blue murder episode. So he did a lot, a lot of stuff in and around stuff that we've talked about, but I, I went with the Yardbirds album just because it was kind of his first really big, um, foray on the main stage with an established band, again, replacing the great Clapton. Uh, apparently, uh, it's kind of an interesting album because the, the album proper was released in the UK under the under Yardbirds, which was going to be the name of the album. And then the name of the album in the US and Germany and Italy and France was called Over, Under, Sideways, Down, which we'll, we'll get to that song a little bit later. But Roger the Engineer is kind of the... Uh, unofficial title that came out when this album was like re-released later on, but it kind of includes uh, a, or at least a version that I had us listen to included about 14 tracks, not all of which were on the original pressing. And I'll, I'll kind of walk us through about like what was on the original album, etc. But I said to myself, I, I'm familiar with the Yardbirds as, as, as an entity. I'm familiar with Jeff Beck's name. I've just put two and two together. It was the only album he recorded with them. Let's do that. And that's kind of just how I landed on this album. Um, but I, I, I have to admit, I, I was, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I thought I was going to like appreciate the album and dare I say, like the album. I really liked the album to, to the point where I look, look forward to listening to it every day. And I did for like a week straight. So uh, I, I don't know if you enjoyed it as much as I did, but there's the, 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 I think that a lot of these tracks speak to influences both before this band and after this band, um, that was not only undeniable, but I just thought it was a really interesting listen and kind of around the same time frame as the monkeys album that we did, uh, you know, back in the archives last year, it was kind of a, a fitting tribute in so far as it was the same year, I think as the, as the monkeys album. Yeah, um, I was I was rather impressed and surprised at how um, like I feel like e each song really had its own kind of flavor to it. Like the, the didn't the album didn't really have like a, a signature sound, so to speak, because there were so, so many songs that had kind of a different vibe to them, which I thought was really impressive for a, an older album. Um, I, there was one song that I definitely recognized um, and remembered. Um, the one song that I knew from the Yardbirds going into this was um, a song that came out a little bit before this, uh, prior to Jeff Beck's time with the band. And it was a song called uh, for your, for your love, which um, opens up with this like um, very sixties harpsichord kind of intro. It's a really catchy tune. Um, but I always really, really liked that song. And I think that was up until this week, the only song that I had in my collection from the Yardbirds. So this kind of opened up my, uh, my knowledge base a little bit more, but um, there was one song that I absolutely remembered from years of listening to classic rock radio, just never really realized that it was the Yardbirds or Jeff Beck or what the name of the song was or whatever. So that was kind of a pleasant surprise. I, I had the same exact experience. I, I tend to think it'll probably be the same song, but we'll get we'll get there momentarily. Um, you know, you 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 hit the nail on the head, and I think that that was part of the charm for me. The the 
the fact that every song sounded so completely different helped me really appreciate the nuances between the tracks. And although there were certainly some that I liked better than others, um, I liked the fact that it didn't kind of stay true to one true style. That's part of my issue with a lot of current music. It just one song is hard to distinguish from the next. I didn't have that problem here. I really could tell each track and to the point where I would like look forward to certain tracks before I got to them upon the third, fourth, fifth, you know, play of, of the album, just because it was so distinguishable and, and so catchy in many ways. Um, what this band gets credit for, at least with this album is the blend of a lot of different styles, which makes sense because obviously, you know, the, the tracks are so distinguishable, but you have blues rock, you have that sixties Brit pop sound, but you also have that psychedelic you have psychedelic tracks. You have um, really the genesis in many ways of progressive rock that would become a much bigger thing three or four years later. Um, but this was really the, the the genesis of that. And then there's even, in my opinion, one or two songs that were kind of a precursor to the hard rock sound that I had mentioned earlier. So you have a little bit of everything here, um, but that's that's definitely part of the charm. And we'll just kind of go through it, uh, you know, in terms of the the the, the rest of the the band who we haven't mentioned is Jim McCarty on drums, Paul Samuel Smith on bass, Chris Jaja on uh, rhythm guitar, and Keith Relf on lead vocals, and harmonica, which plays a big part on this record. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But w- w- with that backdrop, again, album comes out in July of 1966. It's recorded just a couple of months prior. And um, yeah, I guess I- I'll just say this. Uh 349 out of every album ever. That's what Rolling Stone said. They said it was the 349th best album uh, of all time. And then a couple of years later, they would amend that to say the 350th best album. So this is a classic, classic album in the pantheon. I wonder what pushed music. it back one slot. <laughs> Something must have come out in that nine years where they, they felt like they needed to move it. But uh, like I said, Jeff, Jeff Beck's uh, foray onto the main stage. The album kicks off with the uh, track called Lost Women. And this is a track that would kick off both the American release, the British release. I mean, this was basically the the first song on, on every pressing of this album. And what jumps out to me immediately was not Jeff Beck, but really those bass lines on this song, which were really, really good. Um, it To me, it has like, the, immediately I start thinking Rolling Stones meets Black Sabbath, which I thought was kind of cool because you have like the contemporary Stones with Sabbath who would obviously make a name for themselves just four years later. Um, but even during that instrumental section, just a really strong Black Sabbath vibe. I have to think that those guys from Manchester were heavily influenced by the Yardbirds, um, especially with that harmonica sound. I mean, you heard that all throughout the first Sabbath album and you'd hear that on later albums as well. Um, Really interesting track. I also like the fact that the drums have this like scat sound to it, which is kind of cool for something you, you weren't hearing much of that in 1966. But interestingly enough, is his first track with the band, but Jeff Beck is not really on full display on, on this tune. Yeah, honestly, uh, this this song really reminded me of Eric Clapton, even though he wasn't a part of this. That you could. S- sense that his influence with the band is still kind of lingering on there and um it's definitely a very just uh very bluesy number um 
the uh i i the, i really enjoy the the harmonica like it's not just a kind of a supporting instrument but it's kind of a, a lead in this uh in this tune and it's just a pretty good like toe tapper you know just a, a catchy tune um very just very uh very bluesy yeah that, no, I like well this. said um the second track uh i have a feeling you might have known and this that's over under sideways down is is this the one track you remembered from classic uh, rock radio uh, absolutely that that just the second it started i was it just clicked i was like oh yeah i know this song this, this was the one song I knew. And ironically enough, I had the album on in the car when I had picked up my dad for something. And I didn't have this track on, but I had um, a couple of the later tracks on. And I he's like, oh, the Yardbirds. I have some of their albums. And he remembered actually this song as as like the quintessential Yardbird song in his mind. So he he actually had the album um, and, and he was able to call it out by name, which I kind of thought was interesting because – I knew the song, but I didn't know what it was called, right? Like I just, I had always heard it, but I never knew what it was, but it it definitely rang a bell. And what was interesting about this particular track was that this kind of um, was like a precursor to a lot of the psychedelic bands that were coming out in the late to mid to late sixties. But this was one of the first tracks I have to think that was in that vein. Uh, And you mentioned toe tapper. That's what this is, right? It's one of those toe tap clap along songs. Um, it, it it reminds me of something that should have been on the Wonder Years, just in terms of the way it's structured. But I I, I thought it was a fantastic. Tune. I, 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 could, I could just picture people in the '60s just kind of dancing around to this song, like yeah. it's just a, a real dancey kind of tune. Um, but that uh, I don't know how you want to describe just that opening sound. I, I I guess it's a guitar sound, but just it's so it's so um, distinct. Like it's distinctive. You never forget it. Like uh, you know, and and I guess in both of our cases. We didn't, and this is probably the most well-known song on the album. I'm pretty sure um, it was a single that they released, and uh, yeah, I, I I thought it would be a little bit too easy to make this a song of the week just because I knew it already. So I kind of thought I would uh, pick something else. Yeah, I, although obviously something that would have been in contention. Uh, the, the next track is only on the British pressing. This, the next track, the Naz are blue are, is actually not on the other releases, which is kind of interesting. Um, because this is a really good song. And, and I would say, dare I say, underrated, more of a blues rocker, I think, than, than the preceding track, which was kind of dabbled in the psychedelic stuff. Um, you get one of those Jeff Beck solos right out of the box and you can see why, ironically, Jimmy Page was the first choice by the Yardbirds to play on the album because it's this sounds to me like a Jimmy Page solo that you would have heard on Zeppelin One, which came out just a couple of years later. But at the same time, the riff has like this 1950s rock and roll vibe. So it's like the 50s rock and roll meets the wild Jimmy Page solos of the 70s. Uh, I, I was banging my head to this tune, you know, as far as, a, as far as you can head bang to a song from 1966. I love this track. Uh, another song that I think would have been a song of the week contender. I'm not choosing it, but interesting that it was not on the U S pressing. Yes. And this is actually also the only song on the album that's sung by Jeff Beck, um, which I, I didn't realize. I just noticed that the, it sounded like a different singer and, uh, yep. you know, upon research, um, it turns out this is the one song that's not uh, sung by Keith uh, Ralph. So, um, you know, I, this one I am going to make my song of the week. I just thought it was—I uh, thought it was just a real catchy tune, and um, 
again, it, it gave, I just really felt very Clapton-y to me. Um, but but uh, especially the vocals, I think Jeff Beck is closer to Eric Clapton in a vocal styling than Keith Ralph was. Um, but, uh, I definitely, everything you said about like, you know, there's like a fifties rock vibe to it. It's just, um, it's just a really, um, uh, like I, I picture all people dancing, but just 10 years before the last song, for whatever reason, <laughs> That's like, right. like back to the future, 1955 at the, the, you know, the uh, under the sea dance or whatever, <laughs> like it, 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 it definitely kind of fits the, uh, an earlier time than, than the mid sixties, I would say. So I think you hit the nail on the head with that one, but, um, let's, uh, let's give it a, a little bit of a listen and, uh, we'll jump back into it. Great, great choice. I, I thought that was fantastic. I, I like that song a lot, as I mentioned. Um, and it gives way to a, a track that feels completely different. I Can't Make Your Way, which to me was like 60s Beatles bubblegum pop, but with just a slight edge to it. Um, a very repetitive chorus, uh, but the harmonica and the guitars really help complement the way that they ride the cymbal with the drum beat. Uh, that was my favorite part of it. I, I think the verses are better than the chorus. I just, the chorus loses me a little bit because it's so repetitive and I'm a much bigger fan of the, of the mid to late Beatles era stuff than I was like the 1964, 19, you know, the, that, that early Beatles sound. This, this reminds me of that early Beatles stuff. So it loses me a little bit, but I, I appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. The, the chorus is kind of, like you said, it's a kind of repetitive, but then, Afterwards, there's a really cool part where they're just kind of going like, ah, uh, and then there's a really cool just guitar sound that goes on. Like, that's, I think, the most interesting part of the song here. The the, the meat and potatoes of the song is kind of um, paint by numbers for this the, the time. Um, sure. But I, I feel like that little um, flourish kind of gives it a little bit more of its own uh, identity. Um it probably wasn't the most memorable song for me on the album, but you know, it was fine. It definitely was uh, a sign of the, the times I would say. Talk, well, talk to me about rack my mind. The the next track, um, again, a different feel altogether. Um, do you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah. I mean this, uh, to me, this is kind of, um, kind of, again, going back to like the, 
fast, more faster paced blues rock kind of like heavy, heavy drum cymbals and, um, you know, like a very prominent bass line. Um, I would say that it, it's comparable to, uh, the, the Nazar blue, um, in, in, I guess in that kind of, uh, style of things again, like with the toe tapping, just catchy kind of, uh, just, yeah, just, it's just a very, again, just very bluesy for lack of a better word of way of describing it. Just very bluesy. I hear a lot of that mid seventies Sabbath sound on yeah. this track. And even the vocals have a touch of Ozzy in them. If you listen carefully, um, my biggest gripe, the chorus to me sounds like a complete ripoff of the Rolling Stones, but it's well done, so I give them a pass. And the instrumental section had this wild guitar solo, but it almost feels like Jeff Beck is like kind of holding back from going even more off the wet rails. Um, you can see his brilliance on full display with that guitar solo. Uh, it's wild, but you could tell he could do so much more, but he was like, I just I can't unleash it yet. I have to wait. <laughs> the, the world's not ready for it, and obviously we 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 would get there. But this plays such a uh, a contrast to the next track, which is farewell, which is like this short little psychedelic number uh, with layered vocals, which was not really that common, I guess. Um, but it almost had like a Simon and Garfunkel vibe to it. But there was like an odd charm to this track that I really liked. It was almost like being at story time at the library, but with the Yardbirds. I, <laughs> I, 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 I can't explain it, but like it works. I, I thought Farewell was a cool track too. Uh, it's just, it's so British. Like this is something yeah. about it to me. That's like, this is so British. Like I, I feel like I should be drinking tea and eating a crumpet <laughs> when I listen to this song. Um, yeah. It's, it's kind of like a, I guess it's like an interlude kind of tune, but um, yeah, it, it's fine. Um, it's one of uh I think a couple of tracks that's just kind of short and just, I don't know if it's just there to fill space or whatever, but yeah, it yep. does kind of have like a, a story time. Like, you know, the, uh, the beatnik at the library playing his acoustic guitar for the fifth graders who really couldn't care less. Um, Shout out to Brian Redman, who I'm sure <laughs> would be that guy, you know, uh, but kidding aside, um, cool track, very different. Um, but what was fascinating to me is the next track that comes on our release, Happenings 10 Years Time Ago, is not on any other pressing or original pressing of this album. The, the, it wasn't on the British pressing. It wasn't on the American pressing or any of the other pressings at the time. But it's kind of sandwiched in this Roger the Engineer compilation of, of this era of the band. And when I first heard it, my, my initial reaction was, this is – this is painted black by the Rolling Stones, but they kind of go in another direction altogether. And it became my favorite, favorite song of the week. And I'm going to make it my song of the week. Uh, but before I kind of get into the details as to why, let's give it a listen. Why they do 
thought it was fitting to pick the most metal track on the Metal Exchange podcast. And that's what this song is. This is a really, really heavy song. I love the vocals. I think it's one of the best vocal performances on the disc. And I love the interplay between the guitar and the bass. I just think it's absolutely perfect. And for 1966, this is about as heavy as it's going to get. It, it almost has like a hard rock sound in the way that they approach this thing. And then all of a sudden there's this siren and this spoken word section. And all of a sudden the entire song goes off the rails, but like in the best way possible. I thought this song was awesome. And that's why I made it my song of the week. I'm, I'm curious to see uh, your thoughts on this one. Yeah, I enjoyed this one a lot too. It was one of my favorites and probably would have been my song of the week as well had I not chosen one already. Um, it looks like it was uh, it was released after the album in the U.S. as a single and, and it had the Nazar Blue, which incidentally was my song of the week as the <laughs> B-side. Um, so uh, yeah, it's just, I, you know, we were talking off... Uh, off mic about um, just how interesting it was back in the the 60s in particular, how the UK and the US would just release these like totally different versions of basically the same album, but with just small changes to the order and small changes to which songs were included. It it happened on, uh, on Beatles releases. I I think it's happened on other albums that we've discussed in the past. It's uh, interesting that, um, you know, different regions would get different, um track lists or whatever but i guess um there was a a feeling of you know what kind of music would appeal to a, a certain demographic um so i guess they felt that americans had a different vibe than the the british did so i have to i have to believe that was the reason for it they thought that um there just would have been more appeal um but uh Kind of a surprising uh, omission because it's a really, I mean, unless it was um, not meant to be on the album, maybe it was just a single that came out shortly after the album. But um, I would think that something that a a song that strong would have been uh, a shoe in to be on either version. I I agree with you. I I thought it was great. And and the next track, Psycho Daisies, is another one that doesn't appear on any of these pressings and would actually be a B-side as well. It starts with this, uh, you know, patented Jeff Beck solo and goes right into a drum solo, which is kind of cool. You don't don't hear many drum solos on albums from the 60s, short as it may be. This one has very strong Zeppelin vibes to me, and it reminds me of stuff that would come out like on those first two Led Zeppelin albums. And I remember asking you during the week if you were like a, you know, really uh, strong or had a lot of knowledge regarding those some of those Zeppelin albums. And I, I get the sense you you you're familiar with some stuff, but maybe not all of them. We we definitely have to do some of those Zeppelin albums because I feel like you kind of appreciate them more, especially having listened to this as a precursor. Yeah, just another one of those bands where it's like you know I know the essential twenty five or so songs probably, but then like. As far as deep cuts go, I'm kind of, uh, you know, lost in the weeds. So definitely something I would uh, like to talk about and would would really um, enjoy for sure. Did you have any opinion on the fact that they were going for all the cheap pops by naming all the cities and states uh, on this track? (laughs) That was not an unusual thing for a rock band to do around this time. I mean, yeah, it is cheap pop, but... um, yeah, this is to me like this is just like Led Zeppelin does the twist. That's what this song kind of made me think of. 
Um, talk to me about the next track, and I'm I'm going to butcher this, but Hot House of Amagarashid, and I again I did not curse. I, I assure you, even though it may have <laughs> sounded that way, um, this is a weird track. But I got a funny story for you uh, about this one. But I want to hear your thoughts first. Um, this song, I I have to feel like John Williams stole this when he wrote the the celebration song at the end of Phantom Menace. It, it's it's pretty it's pretty much the same. It's it sounds just like it to me. Um, that's all I could think about when I heard this song. It's just the the big uh, N- the Naboo celebration at the end of Phantom Menace. Um, that's 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 where I was at with Hot House of Amagarashid. Well, I can't top that story, but I, I will tell you a story of my own. I was driving my daughter to a birthday party, and this song came on. And like I'm looking at her face in the back seat. It's got like this Middle Eastern, Far Eastern vibe to it. Almost like you're waiting for the whole sitar solo and all that, but just never quite gets there. And then these wacky lyrics. Ravi Shankar was busy that day. Yes, exactly. And then these wild lyrics that mean absolutely nothing. But I see her get this little smile on her face. And then I see the head start moving. And then the song ends. And for the next two minutes, she's just singing the nonsense words that were coming out of this song. And like, well, the only words in the song are yeah. So I yeah, mean, but not, like she not... was doing the whole like, yeah, yeah, yeah thing and like loving it. And then she, we come home from the party and then we, you know, the day ends the next day we're in the car and I shit you not. She says, can you play the yeah, yeah, yeah song? Because I think it would like left an indelible impression on this. Yeah, she this got a, she got a case of the yeah, yeahs. She did. And, uh, Catchy and experimental, if nothing else. A very, very interesting track that obviously resonated with my eight-year-old. It sounds like the type of song that should resonate with an eight-year-old or or, or a diehard Star Wars fan. Anyway. Or, or both, of which <laughs> um, she, 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 she is not, but hopefully soon will be. Um, the next track on our release was on the U.S. version uh, and on the British version, and rightfully so. This was like, kind of like the Jeff Beck... Uh, coming out party in, in a number of ways <laughs> and an instrumental track for, for starters and basically an extended guitar solo, which again, I, I can't imagine many bands doing at this time. And like, to me, this was Ingve before Ingve, where he's just out there and he's just absolutely killing it um, all on his own. And you can really see his talent. Like, I'm pretty sure he's finger tapping on this track, which again, I don't think they were so like, this is, this is long before Eddie Van Halen was doing his thing in the seventies. Really, really good stuff. Uh, and my only knock is that I hear too much. Mary had a little lamb on the soul. Oh my God. Same. Is, is it, okay. So it's, it's not just me, but short of that, a really, really cool track. Yeah. This is like Chuck Berry on steroids. Yes. Like, yes. It, you know, it's just, uh, it it has that that Chuck per- that Chuck Berry vibe, but all, but now it's like it's like you said, it's almost like what Ingve would do twenty years later, where it's like I'm really good at the guitar, but like watch what else I can do, and and just completely re um, reimagines what that instrument can do, and, and that and I think that this is a really uh, a, a perfect showcase of that um that skill but yes there definitely was a mary had a little lamb vibe going on here um 
every time I heard it, I said to myself, I, I, I know that song too. Um, it gives way to probably my least favorite track on the album. He's always there. This too had like an early Beatles vibe, but just not as well done as some of those big poppy early Beatles hits. Um, something about it just didn't click. It's just a bit mundane. I think the chorus is probably the best part of the song, but it just fell flat. Um, I, I kind of like the fuzzy sound, the fuzzy sound effects and whatnot, but just not enough to save this song. Did you did you like this, or was it just kind of there for you? Yeah, same. It, it it's very it's very just mid sixties like radio rock. Like it's kind of surprised this wasn't like a radio hit for them because it just kind of has that vibe of what a lot of songs around that time that were on the radio sounded like. Um, you know, it, it was okay. It wasn't one of my favorites either quite honestly not a bad yeah. song but just nothing nothing spectacular about it yeah i i i, I agree um the the next track turn into earth is like a bit of a psychedelic tune kind of odd but oddly intriguing just the same uh even the lyrics have like this spacey tinge to it which is kind of cool um yeah you could you could definitely get like a, a the sense that the moody blues listened to this song and we're like, yeah, we could, we could make a sound like that. And a little bit, a little bit of the doors even too, but I'm, I, I got a, definitely got a moody blues kind of vibe from this. Did you, did you kind of like it or was it just kind of eh for you? It, it was fine. Like it, it's, it's a little kind of understated. It's, it's so sixties. Like it just, just feels sixties. Um, but it, it definitely also feels like it's kind of a, and in another interlude kind of track, like it really wasn't meant to be a big like rock hit or anything like that. Just something a little bit different, a little bit like, ooh, like, you know, I just dropped some acid and, you know, <laughs> here we go. Well, strap in because the next track clocks in at a whopping three minutes and 22 seconds. And by the standards of the day. This is your it's epic too long song. to be a single. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. At the time. Uh, what do you want? Um what what can I say? This song was great. It is faster and harder and catchier than almost everything else on the album. A fantastic riff for, again, a, a, an album that comes out in the 60s. Upbeat drums, the toe tapper. It, it, it probably would have been my second choice for song of the week because it really gets stuck in your head. And it's one of my favorite vocal performances on the album. It really stands out to me. Uh, and then you have... All that on top of an instrumental section, which again is like Led Zeppelin meets The Who, which I thought was kind of cool. I, I like this track a lot. Yeah, this is a good song, and again, it 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 definitely fits that um, really danceable, bluesy kind of track that, like you know, we made mention of earlier. Um, I, there's um there's a monkey song that um I can't put my finger on it. Carrie, I think if you're out there, you could probably help me out here. But um, it definitely reminds me of, of one of the more like upbeat, uh, bluesier monkeys tunes. And considering that it was around the same time, I'm not terribly surprised by that. But um, the bass line does kind of remind me a bit of going down. Maybe that's the song I'm thinking mm. of. But um, you know that that I think it's just again kind of a sign of the times, and that's kind of what uh, what like bluesy rock songs sounded like in the mid '60s. Yeah, 
well said. I don't have anything to add to that. Uh, the album closes out with Ever Since the World Began. And this oh my is- god, I thought that I accidentally turned on Black Sabbath. Like, this was so out there for an album that yeah. like had a lot of different sounding songs. This completely caught me off guard. I was, I thought I was listening to something else. Right down to the Satan references, which I know is, I'm not, I'm not even making a joke. Like, it even sounds is- a little bit like Ozzy singing. Like, it's, yes. It's- <laughs> It had to be a big influence for them because it was just so apparent on this and a couple of other tracks, but this one in particular is – so I'm going to throw it out there. Is this the first Doom song, like the first Doom <laughs> like doom rock song? Because that's really yeah, but what then, it is. But then they give up like like I usually do yes. halfway through a Doom album. About halfway through, they just <laughs> – no, about halfway. Th- it's like yeah, it's like you listening to Candlemas. We just take a we just we take a different turn halfway right. through this You're song. Like, you know what? Sixties pop will do just fine here, right? <laughs> it was unexpected. It was jarring, but it was kind of cool how they blend these two sounds together. I, I I'm a fan. I like this track. Yeah, I, I I imagine that there was probably some sort of symbolism that they were going for, which um, I didn't dig enough into to, to pick up on, but um, I obviously like money is kind of the, 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 the theme of the song here. So maybe it's something like, you know, it's like Satan's like dangling the money in front of you. And then you're just like, Oh yeah, look, I don't need money. You know, whatever. I don't know. I'm sure somebody can explain it better than, than I just did, but that's kind of the vibe I got because I, I, I think when I wasn't paying attention the first time I listened to it, I thought that they were like two separate songs. And then I was like, Oh, this is the same song. Um, okay. Um, but, uh, interesting. Uh, very interesting. The, the, I, I, but again, I really thought I just accidentally put on like a black Sabbath song that I'd never heard before. It was, um, really cool. I, I yeah. have to say it not, not very to unexpected to say the least. Um, I say this selfishly. I was very happy that I chose this album. I liked it a lot. And like for someone that can say that I finally got to listen to Jeff Beck do his thing, albeit after his passing, really, really impressed. It makes me want to check out his solo material. Hell, I want to listen to more Yardbird stuff just because I, I really enjoyed the listen. It was an easy listen. It was it was great in the car. It was great in my office. It was it was just great. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did. For me, it's a 7.5. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not going to say that it's images and words to me just because it's not my style, but for an album that I had no expectations for, it was really, really good. Um, curious, uh, curious what you're going to rate this. Uh, I am going to give it a 6.5. I thought it was, uh, above average, but like you said, not really my, you know, a typical thing that I uh, would listen to, but uh, enjoyable uh, nonetheless. I just was missing, just missing like, uh, like one or two tracks that really blew my socks off. That was the, what was really missing for me. It was just really solid all the way through, but nothing that really just kicked my butt, which I was kind of hoping there'd be one song where I'd just be like, man, this one was just so good. I couldn't wait to go back and listen to it. And it just didn't, didn't happen for me. So once they started playing doom metal in 1966, you weren't crossing the seventh <laughs> threshold. I, I know, I know, I know, I know how this goes by now. Um, very, very interesting. I am looking forward to hearing your choice for next week. But before we get there, 
I feel like everyone is coming out of the woodwork to do tours. I'm just going to mention a, a number of them that have been announced just in the last couple of uh, weeks since we've done a news section. Um, Vicious Rumors, uh, a band that I had actually, I think I was going to post one of their tracks on um, on our social media feeds. Uh, they're doing a U.S. tour going out March 8th, starting in Reno, Nevada, ending uh, in April, April 1st in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They are coming to Brooklyn next month, uh, selfishly, March 19th. I'm definitely going to try to be at that show. They've already billed this as them playing a lot of their older material, which is kind of what I'm more familiar with. I haven't listened to any of their new stuff, so I couldn't tell you how it is. But once I found out that they were playing some old stuff, I may check that out. I'm very, very interested to see that. Uh, Steve Vai is doing a European tour. He's going out this spring, starting in Lisbon, Portugal on March 24th, ending in Helsinki on May the 7th. I've had the, the pleasure and the privilege to see him live on a number of occasions, usually when he was doing the G3 stuff with Satriani and Petrucci back in the day. W what can I say about Steve Vai? Uh, Mastodon and Gojira are doing a U.S. tour. They're doing actually two separate legs. They're, they're heading out April 18th, starting in Portland, Oregon, and then finishing up May 11th in Reading, Pennsylvania. And then they're doing an August run starting in Cincinnati, uh, hitting a number of the markets that they did not hit on the first leg, and then ending in Denver, Colorado on September 2nd. Having done the Mastodon episode, I would actually be curious to see this live because Gojira is a band I would like to see. Um, so I'm thinking about catching that uh, in New York on August the 12th. I'm curious. I just uh, it's not one of those shows that I'd be dying to go see, but I think I think I might pick up tickets. I'm not going to lie. Not to mention the fact that I live and work in well, I work in Brooklyn, and the venue is not terribly far from my office. So I got that going for me. And you could go and then, stop at Wegmans and get those peanut butter stuffed pretzels. Well, I did. I did tell you about those. They are highly, <laughs> highly addictive and I eat way too many of them on a daily basis. So maybe I'll have them before the show. Uh, and then one last band, Jane's Addiction, um, a band that I never really listened to, but my sister's a big fan. Uh, and I know some other people that listen, put them on the list. Them. Put them on the list. March 5th, they go out. They're hitting Bakersfield, Tucson, and doing a couple of West Coast dates before they head to South America. Are you a Jeans Addiction fan? I like this, the handful of songs that I know, but it's only a handful. Um, you know, Gene says, been caught stealing, kind of the, the obvious uh, choices. There was a song, um, I probably should just... Uh, look it up rather than try to remember, but I remember playing it on um, either rock band or uh, guitar hero stop, which was from the same album been caught stealing was on uh, ritual de lo habitual um, stop was a really fun song to play on. Uh, I think it was guitar hero. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, like really good alt rock band from the early nineties, but just uh, I feel like they the radio didn't really pay them as much heed as they may, may have or probably should have. They played been caught stealing a, a lot and they still do. If you ever go back and listen, if you ever listen to uh, uh, lithium on uh, satellite radio, uh, that and probably Jane says are going to be the two songs you hear the most, but um, yeah, I would love to, um, to do one of their albums and dig, dig in a little bit deeper because um, it's just uh, another thing that's kind of outside of my wheelhouse. And speaking of things that are a little bit outside your wheelhouse, 
you brought to my attention a new prog rock supergroup that is clearly in the vein of Yes and some of the bands that would actually come uh, on the heels of the Yardbirds release uh, that we were talking about for the last hour. Uh, do you want to tell everyone about Supersonic Revolution and what is what this is about? Because color me intrigued. Yeah, um, this is uh, something that um, Aaron Lucasen has been hinting at. Uh, Aaron is the master of hinting at stuff on social media. Um, he loves doing his like vocalist reveals for Arian albums, and uh, this was no different. He kind of was. I think he had just posted like the logo. And I think a lot of people were kind of speculating, is this going to be like a, a Yes tribute band or a Yes cover band or just a Yes style band? The logo is very much in that vein. Um, some of the names, um, former uh, Delane guitarist Timo Summers is going to be involved. Um, uh, Juice Vanderbrook, who I think is like, you know, uh, RN's, guy you know when it comes to if he needs a keyboard player juiced will be there um i'm not familiar with uh jc and cohen her uh is it harris um who are filling out uh the jc will be the vocalist and um cohen is the drummer uh Aaron's going to be handling the bass uh timo on guitars and juiced on the hammond organ i mean that just kind of tells you all you need to know right there that's um, a big giveaway are you familiar with JC's vocals or, or um, I'm not sure what band he was in uh, or if he was in a band. I, I don't know. I don't know who that is. I have to be honest with you. And I don't know if it's just because um, the one, like the one name thing, or if maybe he goes by another name, but I feel like I'm going to kick myself when I get off the podcast. And I, I feel like I probably should know who it is. I think there's a name there. I just don't know who it is. And looking at his p- picture, he looks familiar and not just because he looks like the cowardly lion from the wizard of Oz, <laughs> but like he looks really familiar. Um, the Facebook am- comments are hysterical. Somebody was like, uh, how did you find the bass player by the way? And Aaron responded, just pick the cheapest bastard I could find. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's really, that's good. Um, I'm 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 all in on this. I want to hear exactly what it sounds like. And and I'm any you know, not that Arion and Star One aren't great. Obviously, we both love the Star One album from last year, but anything that this man puts out, I'm gonna check out. Yeah, apparently JC was the barbarian on Electric Castle Live. So um oh, I guess okay. he has done some work with uh Aaron before. Um but I I always look forward to anything that Aaron is involved with. He's just such a genius and uh a real mastermind and, and there's just something very infectious about his personality. Um, he clearly is a man who just loves music and loves what he does. And, and it's, he's a blast. He's uh, a real, just um, it's a bucket list for me to go to one of those Arion shows in Europe. Um, maybe one of these days, but um, definitely excited about this. Timo Summers, I think is a very underrated guitar player um, and songwriter. And I yeah. think that's the key. So I think and it's he, going to be he, very interesting. He had worked with Aaron. I believe he was the guitarist on the Gentle Storm album. I don't think he toured with them, but he was the guitarist on that album. So, uh, again, you know, I guess Aaron probably has a connection to all these uh, people in one form or another. But, um, yeah, this will be really cool. And uh, I, we had, we didn't discuss this beforehand, but um, I had noticed today that Metallica um, – 
has dropped their latest single. I don't know if it's only available somewhere on the internet, but my guess is that the single will be available everywhere tomorrow, being that it's Friday. Um, and it's, uh, supposedly it's very good. I haven't heard it yet, but um, that's something we can circle back to and talk about next week. Yeah, I, I haven't heard it either, but I'm curious. I thought the first single was pretty good, so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this one as well. I'll, I'll check it out once we uh, once we stop recording. But that brings us to uh, next week and the last, I guess it's going to be the last album for January. Um, speaking of which, our poll will have closed for our February album by the time this episode is released. So that'll be a surprise as well. I think last I checked it was Black Sabbath, but I don't know if that's been taken over by somebody else. Time will tell, but let, let me hear what we're doing next uh, next week before we before Yeah, we'll we get see to if, the... if Terra Maze comes in and tries to vote for their own album again. <laughs> hey, kudos. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Maybe Ozzy will, will come in and vote for the Sabbath album. Although that's a that's a Dio Sabbath album, correct, right? Um, I believe it is. And I, well, I, quite frankly, I, I haven't looked, so I'm not, I forget which one we put up there. Uh, but I don't think it's an Ozzy album that I can tell you. Um, plus we already did an Ozzy Sabbath album. So we'll, uh, yeah, we'll I think see. it was dehumanizer. Um, okay. So I got, all right. So maybe Dio probably won't be voting for it then. Um, well, it would be fitting considering it is the anniversary of his passing just recently. So, uh, We'll see. Um, but uh, anyway, you know, I, I've mentioned that, you know, we've talked about so many bands that have multiple albums that are, um, you know, definitely worthy of a full episode. And, and I was looking back at our, our list of every episode we've done and, and it hit me like there's a band we haven't talked about in a really long time. And that band is Angra. And... Mm. We we discussed Angels Cry. It was our fifth episode ever, um, and I gave it a ten. You gave it a nine point five. Uh, obviously, it was a very highly touted album for both of us. I'm surprised I didn't give it a ten, to be honest with you. But yeah. I take a rest. Uh, you're gonna have to go back and listen to your own uh, your own uh, critique. Yeah, your your own mindset. Um, but you know what conversation about Angels Cry isn't without. The comparison to Holy Land, which is the be- which is the the gr- the magnum opus of Angra, so to speak. But and, you and have so, Angels Cry as a ten, so how can you go up from a ten if it's their magnum opus? Right. So I mean, I mean, I consider <laughs> I've always considered Angels Cry the the ultimate Angra album, but I mean, yeah. Holy Land is. I, I mean, it was. There were times where I said Holy Land was the better album. They're both all time great albums and that's why we're going to do fireworks next and no, i'm just kidding <laughs> Ooh, uh, you, you had me for a second um no, we're gonna, wings we're gonna of reality about, we're gonna talk about we're holy gonna go in the mystery machine with elma um <laughs> yeah, but no, gonna, i digress yeah we're gonna talk about holy land and, I, and I'm, re- I'm just really curious where our scores land in comparison to the debut album angels cry that we brought both ranked very very high i have um, always said that angel cry is a better album I, I, I'm mad at myself that I didn't give it a higher score because I, I think that it just, like my preconceived notions are that Holy Land is like a 9.5 and Angels Cry is you were you were more conservative in your score giving in the early days I think maybe I mean if you ask me now I would say maybe 9.75 maybe a 10 I don't know whatever 
excellent choice. Looking forward to doing uh, to, to doing Holy Land. It certainly deserves its own conversation. I can't believe we haven't done it yet, but I guess that makes sense just because you know you can only do so many episodes. Yeah. So I mean, we. Ends. I was looking. I mean, we've gone back and we've done another you know we've done a second gamma ray album we've done uh, there's bands that we've circled back to i just felt like anger is definitely one of those bands that uh deserves a circle back and, and i'm sure that the the edu fans are probably you know want to give us a kick to the kick in the ass and be like hey what about you know rebirth or temple of shadows and i'm sure well we'll deserved get, yeah i'm sure we'll get there but i mean i don't know that there's too many people that would argue that um Angels Cry and Holy Land are pretty much the epitome of, of the great anger albums. And I don't know, maybe it's just the nostalgia because they're the two oldest ones, but um, I, I, th- it's just peak anger to me. And, and I'll stop myself before I start analyzing the album a week early. I, I like the choice. I look forward to listening to it. It's always a trip down memory lane to do something like that. So uh, kudos to you. Good choice. Um, there are still bands that we've not touched and I'm not going to name them. I'm just going to start choosing them because I have some on their, on, on my list that I think we would be remiss not to talk about in the near future. So we will get there. Um, I had, I almost t- had a band we didn't do yet, but I, I'm, I'll hold, I'm holding that one in my pocket for now. Um, probably one of the bands that you would have assumed I would have chosen by now, but, uh, I'm, very I'm, cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I um, mean, Hey, we have. God knows, hopefully hundreds of more episodes left to do. So, uh, plenty of time for everything, even even fireworks. <laughs> that, that is an underrated album. I agree. I, I agree. I, 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 I promise I, you, we will do a fireworks episode one of these days. I I, I look forward to listening to Holy Land this week. Um, so. Good choice. Uh, just to kind of paint the picture for you, we'll, the poll will close. That will be our album for the first week in February. Kind of a little bit of a special episode for that second week in February. Um, and then I'll pick an album for the following week, and we'll we'll get back into it. Sounds good. Uh, lots, uh, to, uh, lots to look forward to. Um, I also think we might be having another collaboration with our uh, MSR cast friends at some point in time. There's been a little chatter between me and, and Carrie about uh, – giving you and Sean a little uh, something interesting to, to, to sink your teeth into. If you which know mo- either which of monkeys us, album are we doing? Yeah. If you know either of us, it's probably not too much of a surprise. If I told you me and Sean were planning something, then you could assume it was power quest. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> in this case uh, it's, it's been discussed. So uh, I'm sure we'll find the time, but uh, yeah, just lots, lots of stuff to look forward to. I look forward to the interview with uh, how many living monkeys are there at this point? Just one. Um, well, and then I look forward to that. Interview. I think Car- Carrie's going to see Mickey Dolan's in Houston, so he's gonna he's gonna snag that interview uh, on behalf of all of us. Hopefully, I, I, I look forward to it. Uh, enjoy the week, my friend. I will talk to you soon, and we'll cover some Holy Land next week. Looking forward to it. <laughs>